0: Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm Dave, and we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things.
1: Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. This week, it's episode 41. This week, we have Dane Rauschenberg on the call. Dane is an American long distance runner author and attorney who ran 52 marathons, one every weekend uh, for an entire year and raised over $43,000 for charity in in doing so. Uh, Dane has also run in 12 hours, 84 miles, which is a big, big, big number. Dane also ran up the coast of, of Oregon, which is roughly 350 miles in seven days. And by doing so set the FKT. So Dane is an incredible guy that I can't wait to uh, to dig in a little bit more and find out more about this guy. So welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, Dane. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, Dane, great uh, great to hook up. You know, you were starting to get into some of the long distance stuff a little bit before the, you know, the hullabaloo of what's been going on lately with uh, attention and ultramarathoning world. And so you know, maybe we spin back a little bit and start earlier than that. Even you know, we always love to get a little bit of the, the early story. You know, were you a high school track runner, and you know, did you run in college, or did you find you know running later in your life? And and then we'll want to dig in a little bit to what's the motivation behind you know, want to run a marathon a week? Everyone likes one marathon in a year. And I do <laughs> think the first time I ever met a marathoner, like after the day they they couldn't walk and seems like a lot has changed since then, but why don't we start at the beginning and tell us a little about yourself.
2: No, I agree a lot has changed. It's really interesting, just even in the, you know, I feel like I've only been running for a short period of time, but I guess this year actually be my 20th anniversary of my first marathon. So um, I keep thinking that I'm a young guy and then I remember that I'm <laughs> not. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, my I ran, I ran track in high school, but I didn't start till my junior year. I was a pretty accomplished swimmer and played a little bit of football as well. That was my favorite sport, but it was just my junior year. I had nothing going on in the spring. and My mom simply suggested that maybe I should run, for, run track just to stay out of trouble. And so I joined the track team and I had a decent high school career. I ran a 450 mile and a 205 800, but it was really easy to stay humble. Even on my tiny high school team, we, we were uh, a town of 5,000 people in Northwestern Pennsylvania. We had the uh, two mile state champion on our team, as well as like some uh, really good runners. Like, I was my 450 mile was like maybe fourth best on the team. So it was really easy to think that 450 was scrubs, you know, because it was even on our own team. Yeah. And so yeah, that's where it started. So I didn't come from nowhere for running, but once I left high school, I was like, well, now you're done running what, you know, what else, you know, be, you become an adult, you know, there it wasn't this, this proliferation of running out there. So I just kind of, uh, I went to college and I put on uh, a little bit of weight because I was, I played rugby. And uh, so I was a 235 pound rugby player during college years. So there was the running was punishment. You hear that all the time as a joke, but that, you know, that was <laughs> what we did, you know, go run a lap, you, you drop a pass, you go for, you run a lap. So that's where it started out.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I think that uh, there are, uh, there's a lot of us who do that get that early start, but it doesn't continue. And so then time goes by and then, you know, you're gonna find running somehow. So like, what was it that got that first marathon going?
2: It was in, I was in law school and I had wanted to lose that excess weight that I gained in college. And the easiest way that I knew how was swimming. Cause that's what I always fell back on. But as any swimmer will tell you, finding an open pool is infinitely mm. more difficult than finding an open run or, or an open road for the run. And that's exactly what happened. So I had a friend who said, why don't you go for a run for me with, with me. And I think we went and did like four or five miles on my first ever run. And I was, I was, de- I was just completely devastated. I was like, I couldn't make it home. And that's kind of where it started. And so she was training for the Boston Marathon. And so I had someone to do some kind of training with. But then I fell off a little bit in my longest run. I think I ever did before my first marathon was 16 miles, but I thought that was enough. I thought, yeah, I'm fine. And it was enough for the first half of the marathon. And then the second half fell apart. (laughs) So I ran a 129 for the first half and then a 243 for the second half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was that was I I wouldn't call that any sort of running. There was a lot of walking in the second half. And absolutely, uh absolutely, but I was but one yeah, of those people that it, you right? mentioned, Joe, that 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 couldn't walk the next day after mm. that first marathon.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So the beginning of your running, it didn't say it sounded like you were, hey, I want to lose an excess weight. Um you want know, need to get in some cardio. We all know cardio is king. Um, but you know, like, like many people that we've talked to on this podcast, it, it doesn't, it, it normally doesn't always start off as easy as it, as it is now. You know, why, why did you get up for the second run, the, the 10th run, the, the 15th run? What, what was motivating you at that point? Was it, was it, you know, was it a certain drive that you end up feeling as a child? Or was there, was there always like a never, I'm not going to quit type of attitude?
2: it's funny is because you hear people say that they're never going to run another marathon again. And then like two weeks later they've signed up for it. And I wasn't one of those people. I, I didn't run my next marathon. Wasn't for two more years. I, you know, I finished up law school. I was like, okay, I marathoning was done. I, I wasn't going to do another one. I, I had done one. Uh, I had, I had beat Oprah's time. That's all that mattered to me. So, <laughs> and I was uh, clerking for a judge after law school. Who was a uh, young, relatively not relatively fit. He was a very fit uh, uh, man, and he was training for some races. And he kind of said, "Well, you, I think you should. I think you've got another race under your belt that would do, uh, that would you would improve your PR." And so it was kind of more or less. He kind of pushed me into training for another marathon. And uh, that one went much better uh, than the first one. But again, I wasn't sold on marathon. It wasn't till I moved down to D.C. got caught up in the marine corps marathon hoopla and there was so and dc is a great running city if you've never spent any time there there are so many running clubs and i just kind of got swept up in a little bit and it was from there uh, like a year and a half later i was planning the 52 marathons so it just went uh went full gangbusters out of out of the gate so i'd only had run six marathons when i when i decided to do 52 in a year
0: Mm, that's pretty cool you know what i found in my marathon running, and I haven't done as many. You, I did like one year, I did one a month and that kind of thing. But there was a transition when I always said was where you were running marathons to a marathon runner, you know, where you actually really fully had a good sense of what the feeling was like, the distances were like, you really could plot it out. Did you start to find that as you went through the 52, where this was like, Uh, not just going to run a marathon, but you could qualify yourself that way.
2: Yeah. I, I, from the get go, my goal with running the 52 marathons was not simply just to show up and finish them. Um, I, any marathon is tough to finish period. Like it doesn't matter if you run one or 175, you still have 26.2 miles to run, but the year prior to the 52, I had run six marathons. So when I started, I had 12 under my belt. And I thought, okay, I know I can finish a marathon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I want to see how fast I can run these. I want, to, I want to push myself, not only just with the 52, but as hard as possible. So my goal was to try to get them all under four hours, which I thought was pretty auspicious, uh, I thought. Then by the end of the first month, I thought, there's no way I want to be out here running three thirty-five marathons. And, th- and, and so I started picking up the pace with the eyes on the prize of making sure I stayed healthy enough to run all 52. And by May I was running like three thirteens and stuff like that. And then by the end of the year, uh, my 42nd marathon of the year, for example, was my first ever sub three hour marathon. So when people say, how do you run a sub three? I say, well, first run 41 in a row, and then magically, that forty-second one will be sub-three. That's just the way to yeah, do it. That fitness
1: <laughs> builds. Mm-hmm. I, in twenty eighteen, I tried to run across the across Canada in record time, and that was my experience too. Is that you know the only way to really get ready for the second week is to do the first week, and the best thing about the third week is that it's going to be easier than the second week, and your your fitness builds. So, did you feel that with the fifty-two? marathons week after week did you, did you oh, feel that the fitness was 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 building from week to week
2: it mind-bogglingly so i mean i i, I love we're runners we love stats i won't worry with too many but i averaged the 329 for the first 26 and that's actually a little bit slower because Leadville was one of the fi- of the first 26 so that that skewed the average a bit but the last 26 were i averaged a uh, I think it was a 318 and the last 13, I averaged a 310. So I basically qualified for Boston the last 25% of the marathons. Mm-hmm. And and on very little running too. Uh, like for example, in November, I only ran four two mile runs the day after the marathon, other than the marathon, but I averaged a 310 for that entire month. And so it was, you're right. It was the muscle was getting stronger. And I know that not everybody can do that. I mean, um, but it, I think you're right that, the more you train like that the more the muscle memory remembers and you know you can do some amazing things that you just didn't think were possible
0: so, so just to be clear the, i've the always thought that between, there was sorry the week in between you weren't training a lot you were really just using the the weekend run to really be the mileage for the week
2: exactly i averaged only 10 miles of running uh per week for the entire year other than the marathon mm-hmm. um, it was 1,362 miles of marathons and then 400 miles total other running the rest of the year. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was, I mean, back then, I mean, 2006 wasn't the stone ages, but I couldn't find much information on how to do something like this. So I was mm-hmm. kind of writing the book myself and experimenting and deathly afraid of, any type of injury because my biggest goal other than running fast was the the, I absolutely had to run one marathon every weekend. I couldn't take off a break and then do like the Tahoe triple or, you know, anything like that. And it was, it was being there and showing up every seven days and finishing that marathon. So that was, that was the most important thing. I, and, and I see lots of people doing really cool things and they set out to do them. And as say injuries come up or, or things get in the way, they they change their goal. And that always always bothers me. Just like just admit that it didn't work out. Life doesn't work out a lot. And I mean, I since that time, every time I see, I mean, I can't even imagine like last year being two months into trying to run the marathon every weekend and all of a sudden a pandemic hits. You know what I mean? <laughs> like and then all of a sudden your entire plan is thrown away so, And that's but that's life is is things get screwed up. And so I, yeah, I wanted to stay as healthy as possible, and but it really produced results that I didn't think were were things that you could do.
1: Well, I think that's that's it too. Is sometimes the goal is to show up on on, on race day as, as fit as you can. So, or sorry, as fit not as fit as you can, as as healthy as you can. And so, so mm-hmm. was that your goal after? Let's say you did your marathon on Saturday. Was that your goal starting on Sunday morning to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? was to recover, get treatment, roll out, stretch, do all those things that you you, you, you need to do. And then secondly, um, what did that look like? What did that look like throughout the week when it came to recovery?
2: My weeks so there were 39 marathons that were on a Sunday and 13 that were on a Saturday. And so that kind of skewed the days a little bit. But almost every week, I did a two-mile shakeout run the day after the marathon. And it was usually like molasses, you know, it was just like (laughs) so slow and and creaky. And then usually I did a slowish track workout with my my running club. Uh, And I would do that on a Tuesday, then I usually take Wednesday off. Then Thursday was like a four to five mile run. And then Friday was either a day off or a travel day. And then it was lather, rinse, repeat every every week. And you know, I say this because it does matter. Is I was working a full time job while I was doing this as well. So, it I was you know mm-hmm. having to fit that in and sitting at an office desk, you know, uh, you know, forty hours a week. So, I, I, you know, I if I were to do it again, if I were to like somehow have all the knowledge that I have now, I think I would have probably done a lot of things differently back then. But it's hard to argue with the results. I mean, it was it was. Yeah. I mean, it was far more incredible than I could have ever thought that it would have gone. I mean, for someone who is, I'm moderately talented and I'm a bigger guy, I'm I'm 6'1", 180 something pounds. And so to average basically a 321 marathon, 52 in a row, I I think I did everything just about as possibly right as I could have.
0: Yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. yeah. So no, I, and I think Dane, what's, what's cool about it for our listeners, you know, I think each of us have had this experience, which is we. We can create in our minds the obstacle to these ideas and find all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Like the logic of it doesn't seem to make sense that you would get stronger after three weeks of running every day or week 30, you'd get faster or like it, we'd always be like, oh no, you know, I'm going to be too tired. I, I did this six marathons on six continents a number of years ago in six days and in my training... I had to run after the day after the marathon, you know, I had to go run another 20 miles. People like, well, aren't you taking the day off? I'm like, well, if I can't do it during my training, like, how could I possibly go and just do this? You know, like, and, Mm -hmm. and if you're smart, which you seem to have been and you're taking care of yourself, the body does respond very well to this. And so, so I think we have that as a proof point. What's interesting to think about though, is once you establish this, this lifestyle of doing a marathon every week, What was it like when you were done? Like, how did that play out? Mm -hmm. Like that next month, you're like, what am I doing sitting here?
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, In fact, I started the entire year off at the Disney marathon. uh, I've done it, it's fun. Yeah, and I did the half marathon the day before the marathon. So I started the 52 actually by doing the half first. And Disney uh, was really nice to me. I was a nobody, this was their, their Disney, and they were really kind to me, they gave me my very first at 52, they gave me some stage on their speech. Uh, I'm sorry, some, some, uh, some space on their stage to give a speech about what I was doing, which I was like, why would they do that? I, I, I haven't done anything yet. You know, I haven't accomplished anything. And they actually invited me back the next year. And mm. I said, I can't because if I keep going, I don't know if I will stop. Like, I, you know, cause I, I would have rolled right into the next year. And so I said, I have to take this break because otherwise I'm going to want to keep another 52 in a row. Right. And so it was a challenge to force myself to rest and recover. But that's one thing that I have coached myself and I coach my athletes in is sometimes the best run you do is the one you don't. And that is, you know, taking that time off and letting your body recover. And so it was, it was a weird year. The year after the 52, um, I, I ran, Mm -hmm. uh, I ran my first hundred mile attempt. Uh, but other than that, just a handful of races, it was, it was almost as if I hadn't done the 52. It was really, it was really an interesting year. I had a lot of life life changes that year. I changed jobs and I moved out to Utah and all this stuff. So there was a lot of turmoil, not in a bad way, but it it was, it was, you, you nailed it. It was an odd occurrence. Yeah, but back to, you know,
1: you saying that, you know, you know, why, you know why did Disney give you that spot, um, you know, in order for you to, you know, to present and, and give a speech and, and things? Um, I think the answer is simply because you're courageous. Uh, um, you know, Joe has got a, a saying that he said on the podcast a number of times, where your know, excellence is found at the crossroads of curiosity and courage. And, you know, I think in order to say, okay, I'm going to run a marathon, um every week for for an entire year, you know, in order to put that out there, you're, you're kind of putting it on the line. And, and even if even if you were to crash and burn, I think there does need to be a lot of um, you know reverence given to to, to that level of courage. I, I, have you always been pretty courageous when it comes to setting goals?
2: I've, I've been almost uh, I've always been, yeah, I guess I have. I've, I don't know if I say it's courageous as much as just a lot of a lot of faith in what I can do and that's usually based mm. on on experience experience and you know some people say it's cocky i just think it's confidence that's based on, on past experience and and in, like in looking back you know my first ever ultra was just one month after i did my second marathon and that was mm. when i ran the 84 miles in 12 hours and when i did that it was um, i mean ultras were I mean, again, this wasn't 1975, but 2003, all throws were not where they are today by any stretch of the imagination. And when I ran the 84 miles on that, it was a one-mile loop in a 12-hour race up at Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, they told me I broke the course record, which I was like, okay, that's cool. That makes me happy. I didn't realize that it hadn't been broken in like 22 years and, that, and no one's come close since on this particular course. I just thought that I had done something really, you know, well. And so even going into the 52 marathons, I didn't even, I, I relied a little bit on my, my ultra, my ultra win. but I was like, okay, well, if I can do this, I can, I can do other things. And so it was really just, you know, go out there. I I don't mind failing. It's something that I think a lot of people, I, you know, I see a lot of people taking on adventures and they, they hedge their bets on what they're doing. They kind of, They don't, I love when people put out their goal and they fail. I love that. When they're like, I'm going to do 165 miles in 24 hours. And then they pull their hamstring at mile 74. It's like, yeah, but you know what? You told everyone what you were going to try to do. You didn't keep it secret and then, you know, hedge your bets later. So that I I really appreciated that. And all the people that I've met in the distance world and or endurance world who, who, who put out their goals like that. I think it's something that's courage because it's really hard to do that.
0: So let's talk about that eighty-four miles. Was that? Uh, did you put that number out there, or uh, did you have a sense of what you could do in twelve hours, or were you just like all you know bets off and just go run?
2: I had. I mean, I was absolutely ignorant of what I could accomplish that day. It was. It was absolutely. Uh, in hindsight, it, it, it was the perfect weather day for me, which I have learned I am. I am very susceptible to the weather. Uh, it's something that I, I dislike about myself, but the, the, the weather really affects my performance. Uh, it's why I have, if, you know, I don't have all that many ultra finishes, like 25 or 26. It's really not a ton. And it's because I, I've learned that if I'm not going to get weather that's suitable to me, it's, it's going to be bad. So Because I have Gilbert syndrome, which is a liver disorder that makes it difficult to recover from strenuous activity. Now, I didn't know that till uh, almost a decade after I ran the 52 marathons, but in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense now. So the long-winded answer to your question is I went into that race. It It was about 40 to 45 degrees. It was overcast. It was chilly. It wasn't humid. It was what I've learned is perfect for my body. And so, I mean, I... I had no eating strategy. I had, I mean, I had no idea. I I had a, I had a, my, I had a Ford probe. That was my car, a hatchback. I parked it backwards. I had Cheez-Its grapes and Oreo cookies with Gatorade (laughs) in the back. And I would just grab what I thought was necessary. And just, Mm -hmm. I just kept running. I had no idea what was it. I, I think I vaguely, it's hard to remember exactly, but I think I vaguely recall thinking that a hundred miles in 12 hours would be good. So for some reason, my 84 seemed completely in line with what I thought that I could do. I was like, yeah. you know, hundred would be good. So 84 is, is not shit. is not too shabby. So I had, mm-hmm. I had no idea what the record was. It's funny is the race actually downplays its record keeping, which I've always found a little bit interesting. They call it a fun run or a non-competitive run. And I don't know why they do that because you have a clock running and you're keeping track of the miles it's competitive as far as i'm concerned Mm. (laughs) but so it wasn't something that i was really paying that much attention to i just went out there and just had i i have crash or burn or or fantastic days in in my running career and this was one of those absolute fantastic days
1: that's bad. And so at that, in that, during that race, did you kind of fall in love with timed events? Um, you know, when it comes to six hour, 12 hour, you know, 24 hour events, you know, timed events, is that, is that your, is that your kind of go-to now?
2: It's funny is I don't, I, I, I well, I was looking at something, like I said, I've only run like 25 ultras and, and there's times where I'm, I'm surprised how few races I've done in certain areas. I don't really love anything. I, I like them all. And I'm talking, not just, like I do triathlons I do aquathlons I do swimming races I do obstacle course races and I think it comes from the fact that I realized that I'm not that great at anything I'm I'm pretty good at a lot of things and so instead of just beating my head against the wall and never never being particularly good I've accepted that and be like okay well let's just be good in whatever race pops up you know and I re- my 50k and my 5k prs were set in the same month a few years Mm -hmm. ago and that's just kind of how i run is i just you know i see these uh you know some of the ultra runners out there now and i just the races they do month after month it just boggles my mind and the mileage that they put in because i'm not a high mileage trainer i'm not uh i've never been and i don't know if my body could handle it and so i i love that when people get totally into one type of race and they make it their life um it's just nothing that i've ever done I've, I've i i do like i do like timed races i do like loops most people hate loops i i love a loop uh you know i i ran a marathon around a cruise ship twice uh and uh, so i i love loops i i just think it's a way i'll listen to bob hearn's uh podcast that you guys did and how he likes to just break it down into like, you know, two minutes per loop. And it's just, Mm -hmm. he's right. It's so simple. You don't have to do anything, but just this loop, this
1: loop. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. There are so many fun things to do. You know, it's like, I look at my season, I'm going to be in another month and a bit I'm going to be running an FKT it's 333 miles across the province. And then, you know, a little bit after that, I'm doing a track 24 hour race, and I'm going to go do a trail hundred miler, and then I'm going to go do a bigs. Um, or sorry, backyard style race. And so, you know, there's so many things in, in the ultra running world and the running world, really, even, you know, five K's are fun. Um, but there's just so much variety. So well, that's you know, a lot. Five you, K's know, are not thing, fun. like man. variety is kind of the spice <laughs> for you.
0: You said five K's aren't fun.
1: But, you know, yeah, yeah, that. no, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree with you. Yeah. Five K's are not fun. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're they fun when you're done, but, and right. you are done pretty quick. But, yeah. no, absolutely. But a variety is a spice of life for you? you. You you like doing a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm actually, I mean, if you just put the times in a in a spreadsheet, I'm a better swimmer than I am a runner. Hmm. You know, and so uh there's the quathlons out there, which are the swim runs, but they are almost always sprints. And I'm not a sprinter. You know, I I you know the the, the longest one I've ever seen is like it's a 15k run and then like a like a like a mile swim and that's and those are few and far between but that's right about where i would actually start to be pretty competitive um i mean i qualified for the world championships in the coathlon a couple of times but i I think that i i I say that simply i never i say never apologize for your competition but i i will say i think the competition is a lot lesser in those type of races you know Mm. but i'm just i'm not a sprinter and so you know, when it's a five k run, I'm like, oh, I mean, that's my warm up. You know, I can't even mm-hmm. really get my muscles warmed up till then. But I oh, would yeah. love if there were more, you know, twenty k runs with a with a with a mile swim on them. I think that I I would actually start to be, I don't want to say world class, but maybe national class, because I, I mm-hmm. combine those two skills particularly well. And so I would love to do those. But yeah, anytime anyone mentions any race ever. I'm almost always like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'd like to do that. It doesn't matter what the distance is or I'm like, yeah, that sounds, yeah, let's do that. That sounds, that sounds good.
0: And I think that's a great attitude, Dane. And, you know, I think if we were looking at all the guests we've seen over the year, I don't know if they'd characterize it the same way, but it's a little bit like, you know, you know, Hey Dave, want to come out and play? And we're like, yeah, (laughs) this is, let's go do something. You know, it's, it's the, being active right I mean, we we do have a lot of very talented people on the podcast but it isn't And they' but they're humble they're not trying to count and say oh i'm better but they do love being in motion right that's mm-hmm. what we find is that this system that we run you know who we are is is capable of that you know beyond what you would imagine i mean we've actually we're designed you know it was We talked to Johann Steen last week and he said he was influenced by, you know, Born to Run. And in the Born to Run book, you know, we compare against how come we're better hunters in an endurance world than an animal is. And we've been designed to move. And when we don't move, I think we get fussy. But when we move and, you know, we'd love to encourage you. What's fun listening to you is, you know, everyone on this might think, oh, well, all I have to do is run. But no, obstacle course races are great. You know, we had a couple of former champions on who do OCR stuff. And then there are these combinations and swimming is a phenomenal sport for motion. And we haven't even really talked cycling which is another way to get out and move around with triathlons. So um, so as you coach some of the, you know, your people in your team, like what is it that you try and encourage them to do? How, what is like your style of coaching and maybe some of our, our listeners can benefit from some
2: of what you've learned? What I try to do with my coaching is I, I really get to know I don't I don't have a vast volume of, of athletes. You know, it's it's 20 at most. Uh, and it's all virtual. It's all, you know, it's across the country, across the world. Actually, I actually have some athletes in Europe. And what I really get to know them on a personal level, and then I see what they're racing, and I try to think what I would do if I was training for that race and I was at their fitness level. And so I really You know, sit down, and I just you know put my mindset into theirs, and just try to uh, just encourage them to realize first and foremost how lucky they are that they get to run, and Mm -hmm. and that seems like a frou frou type of of thing, but it's goes back to the humility of the our sport, Uh, and any sport honestly that has a clock, because it's really easy to realize that no matter how fast you run, you You will never beat the clock unless you run zero minutes and zero seconds. There's still, you can still go faster. And so it's more about just pushing yourself to be better than you were yesterday. And, and if you aren't better than you were yesterday, that's okay. Maybe you'll be better tomorrow. And, you know, and there's ups and downs and, you know, now that I've been running for, for 20 years, it's really interesting to talk to remember talks that I had with people who had been running for 20 years when I first started and how they had so many ups and downs, you know, they're like, yeah, I had three years where I didn't have a good race. And then all of a sudden I popped out of 10 K PR at age 42 or something. And they're like, I have no idea why. And that has always given me hope when I've gone through stretches where it's just like, all right, well, you know, I'm rapidly approaching 45, you know, maybe my PR days in the shorter distances at the least are, are behind me. And then I go and I have a run in the middle, you know, on the Tuesday and I run like, you know, a six fifty five pace for 10 miles. I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's, that, that shouldn't have happened, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, it's just all about just enjoying, enjoying how lucky we are to mm-hmm. be out there and be able to do this. Um, you know, my father was crippled in a hunting accident right before I was born. Uh, and he passed away a few years ago from Alzheimer's, but in the entirety of my life, I never saw him, you know, walk. I mean, I mean, a little bit, you know, and so I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that, like, I think about him every day, and how lucky I am that I get to run. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be that would be false. I don't do that. But without a doubt, it pops in my head every, every once in a while, you know, when you complain about, oh, I have to go do 20 miles today. I always say no, you don't, you don't, you don't have to you get to this is this Mm -hmm. is a treat that you get
1: yeah that's good yeah, so it sounds like like gratitude is is a is a major place it holds a major place in, in in you and with your with your racing and your coaching and your training and on and so forth and what i love about you know the chasing tomorrow podcast that joe and i have been able to to explore the last this last year is like you know yeah you know, i know next week's um, broadcast is with robbie burton and and i i know exactly you know what his Kind of main drive is and why he's able to succeed and and I, I think that you know all of our listeners need need to listen next week because it's going to be a really great uh, uh, conversation. But you know a couple of weeks ago we had Johann Steen on and um, you know he he he's just so exploratory. Um, he's always wondering you know what's the depth of potential. And you know, and he's never hit it, and he's always so curious of what that looks like. Courtney DeWalter was on, you know, Maggie, who ended up winning Bigs last year. Um, you know, we've had some really incredible people come bring coming on talking about their little nuggets. And what I always find is that with all of these uh, guests, including yourself, Dane, is that there's always one nugget. There's always something that you're circling, always circling around, trying to find, you know, the why and the who and how. And 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 kind of finding your excellence around that one little nugget. Would you say that that's gratitude, or is it, or am I a bit off? Is there is there something else there?
2: No, I, I think that's you know I hadn't given that much thought, but it sounds you know pretty spot on. I've I've been toying around with writing this article for years about pride, and it's. Um, it's been really cognizant or really in my forefront of my mind because I live in Texas now and I always, and Texans really love Texas. If there's one thing they, mm-hmm. they love is they love themselves. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me laugh because it's a huge state and Amarillo has absolutely nothing to do with Houston. And mm-hmm. like, like, but there's the, but they love being Texans. So I, I've thought about, you know, like I'm, I'm happy that I did the 52 marathons and I've been able to do what I've done. But for the most part, I've realized that yes, I worked hard. But if I didn't have the DNA to do it, it doesn't matter how hard you work out. You can't mm. you can't beat your DNA. And so I guess it really is a, a sort of gratitude type thing. I, I've always thought it's like I have. I'm not proud of anything. I've, I've because I just I really don't believe that I have. I have much of skin in the game. It was it was the it was the DNA dice that came down. And yeah, I have to work hard. I have to do with what I, I do with it. But so I guess it really is just gratitude that I have what I have. You know, I've gotten both my legs. Not that you need both your legs to run. I have plenty of friends who who've lost a limb who still go out there and, and do that. But the fact that I have good health, that I have never had an injury that has sidelined me, or all those things. Like I mean, you really have put put it into a nutshell it is gratitude it's it's Mm -hmm. just pure happiness that yeah you might go out and go for a run and feel like crap but you but you still got to go out and feel like crap and that's a pretty Mm -hmm. pretty cool thing to to have Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i think i think you're underplaying a little bit of um how much you've realized with the potential that you have uh and so i think the gratitude comes from the acknowledgement inside and you know i think Johan touched on this a little bit, you know, we're all sort of in desperate search of answering the mystery of life. And sometimes these activities get us closer to understanding, you know, sort of what is it, what is, if there was a responsibility that we have, you know, other than treating other people well, the responsibility to ourselves is to sort of leverage the resource that you have, whatever it can do, doesn't matter. Like we don't need to, a coal miner, a marathon runner, you know, uh, public office doesn't matter which one It's just using those resources. And you've decided to do that. We haven't even talked about the books that you've written, the speaking that you do, you're a lawyer, you're doing this. And, and so you don't have any privilege over anyone, right? None of us do. It's only earned. That's what we earn in our lives by what we choose. And you've been very explicit about that throughout your life. And I think that, uh, that that's you serve as a good role model when you do that, even if you're humble about it. You know, we know that the best in the world are deeply humble you know, because they look inside and just see a regular person and outside it might come across differently. So one thing though that I think how that works is how you use your time really matters um clearly if you're going to do as much as you've done whether it is those 52 marathons or writing i don't know is it five books you've written and um you you find a good way to use your time do you think that's another one of your core sort of strengths because and focus right focus on outcome use your time
2: create some good outcomes well it's funny you say that because as i mentioned earlier i was surprised how few ultras that i've run so i feel like i I, I sometimes haven't used my time the best I could have. And, uh, but then I realized I've run 165 marathons. I've run over a hundred half marathons. There are only so many weekends in, in, in one's life. And so I just happened to uh, do those to start off with. And that's what I like about ultras. I mean, 45 to me feels old, but I honestly, I think I'm kind of, you know, I've got what 30 more years of running ultras, you know, and, yeah. and, and maybe breaking times down there. Maybe I won't break my 5K PR anymore. But um, but yeah, it's kind of funny as I feel – I think it's the fact that I feel like I've – that I don't spend my time properly that maybe to everyone else I do spend it properly because I'm, I'm always feeling like – like I've got a stack of books that I'm, that I'm reading and I always feel like I'm not reading them fast enough. You know, I, I remember watching The Matrix back in the day when he plugged in and goes, I know Kung Fu. And I was like, oh my god, that would be awesome if you could just immediately <laughs> – have information you know and so it's just wanting to do everything that i possibly can uh with with every single second and and being you know that's why this past year mm-hmm. with this pandemic has just been it it's not been fun for me at all and mm-hmm. and i've been healthy uh and, and so I, I, obviously some people have been hurt way more but it's like i had all these great experiences planned i was I haven't traveled to Europe that much, and was going to run um, around Loch Ness. It was an 80-mile race around Loch Ness. Then, like two weeks later, or maybe it was the next week, I was going to run a marathon in Liechtenstein, which is hilarious because Liechtenstein's only 13 miles long. So <laughs> there's that. And then I was going to run across the—I'm um, uh, going to probably mispronounce it, but I think it's the Millau Viaduct. It's a bridge in France. It's the highest bridge mm. in the world and that race is only run every other year because it's a it's hard to shut down and all three of those were canceled and i'm just like Mm -hmm. ah so now in my mind i'm like i just lost a year i just lost Mm -hmm. you know and so i'm always trying to to use my time properly and 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 from writing the books to to speaking to to people and, and realizing that i've created a platform through what i've done that makes me a little bit more recognizable than 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 more accomplished runners. But I, I wanna, I'm not gonna bemoan that I've been given that platform. I'm gonna use it the best I can to try to inspire other people.
1: When I
0: was uh, trying to name the title of my book, and I've only written one, it was going to be Always Happy, Never Satisfied. Oh. And, uh, and I think that that sounds like Dane to me. You know, So the satisfied is about our performance and really using our system to the best degree possible. The happiness is intrinsic about how we feel about ourselves. And we should always, you know, let say, I say, look, you, you can allow yourself 24 bad hours, but no longer than that. You know, we have to yeah. move out of that state because happiness is up to us. And even in a tough circumstance, but satisfied is about performance. And yeah, so, you know, we're always careful about that because others are working at their level of performance and right. they don't have to be satisfied. So yeah, I mean, your your numbers are big. There aren't a lot of people who would put up that many big numbers and you do have a lot of life left. I might even offer, you might have 40 or 50 years, depending on how, uh, how healthcare evolves over time and right, dialing right. in uh, some of the things that we're gonna be able to do for ourselves. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know, having that attitude is, is really important in, in creating community of people who are there to help and support each other. Uh, is a critical part of that which is why it's nice what you share whether from the stage or privately with the coaching Um, you know if you were looking back at you know some of what you've written uh, you know or is trying to communicate something what what's the theme across your books that we can take away
2: from there well my, my most recent book was my first one that was not running centric it was more inspirational and motivational and I really think that that's that sums it up. And it's, it's, it's entitled, ignore the impossible. And that's become kind of, well, I I don't want to say it's become my theme. It was funny as I was looking back through some old blog posts and stuff. And I was saying it like in 2008, (laughs) I was like, Oh wow. I haven't had an original idea in 13 years. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, I think that's what it is. It's, it's to realize that I don't agree that you can accomplish anything. I'm a realist. I'm like, there's, A lot of things you can't accomplish, but you don't know what they are until you repeatedly try and try and try and try. And so you might as well just ignore what is impossible because honestly, to run 52 marathons in a row after barely training for more than a couple of years and to run them at the speeds that I did at the size of a human being that I am with Gilbert syndrome, it's probably pretty impossible. And, And yet- by just being ignorant to that fact, or at least, at least, at least, uh, I don't want to say willfully ignorant, but, um, cause I don't, I just, I just didn't really know. Uh, so it was, it was less ill willfully ignorant. I, it allowed me to be on the course that I am today where I go out there. And like I said, my first, my first, um, I didn't finish my, I didn't finish my first hundred miler until I had run a 202 mile. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, like you know, there's no reason that I should have ran the 202 miler the way I did, considering I had never run more than the 84 miles in that 12 hour race. So, mm-hmm. ignoring the impossible has kind of been my theme for for everything.
1: Yeah, and I think, Dane, I think what what people do automatically is they they shut themselves off to the possibility even before they really even contemplate it. And, you know, and then there's all these scary ideas and thoughts and, and, and whatnot as well, too. I remember I got into a debate years ago with a, a fellow and he was going on about the pain and the suffering and the agony and all the all these terms around, you know, around his sport, around ultra ultra racing. And I, you know, I think I got into a little bit of shit with him as well, too, because I said, you know, um, I really do think that you're limiting your performance based upon the language that, you, language that you're using. Because if I talked about public speaking as being terrifying and, and, and scary and, and I framed it in all these different ways, you know, it's just like putting your hand in fire, um, it, that hurts. And it, yeah, I don't fire. care who you are, but putting your hand in fire hurts. And there's a very primitive response in which we pull back and we go, OK, I'm not going to do that. In fact, we sweat. We, we, we move away from it. We, we primitively try to get as far away from that as possible. So sometimes when I end up hearing, you know, athletes talk about the pain and the suffering and the agony, I said, why are we doing this? If it's something that we want to get better at instead of saying it's the best part of my day, it's joyful. I, I, I you know, it's, it's purposeful, all these wonderful things. And, and I love the way that I feel after these things. So, so that's one of the things that I'm noticing about you, Dane, is that you you you, you use some really positive energy and some really positive language around you know, a lot of the goals and a lot of the things that you want to succeed at in life, even though between the three of us and, and our audience, they're really hard. Um, they're, it's, it is really quite uncomfortable. It's, 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 it can be categorized, or even though I don't like talking about running as being painful, it can be pretty painful out there. Um, and so is that something that you coach and teach your athletes about as well, too? And just reading between the lines with the language that you're using, is this something that you use with your coaching methods? Well, running is the,
2: the only sport that like the minute you stop doing it, you're no longer doing it and by that. I mean, you can play basketball, but you don't have the ball in your hands and you're not even really defending anybody because no one's in your, your zone, but you're still playing basketball. Mm-hmm. But the minute you're out on a run and you stop running, you're no longer running. And and that's what makes running so, so difficult is it's, it's a, it's challenging. And so, if you focus on that, that's, you know, like you said, that's going, that's going to weigh you down that like, this is difficult. This is tiring. This is, and I really do focus on, man, how good I feel when I'm done. And, mm-hmm. you know, just so, I mean, not only mentally better, but obviously physically better. And it's just, I mean, the, I live, Like I, said, I live in Texas and, and it's, it gets hot here a lot and I am not good in heat. And I I dread a lot of my runs going out into that heat sometimes because it's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have to put so many bottles of ice water out to just get me through like a seven miler. But then when I come home, I was telling a friend this just the other day, after my run, shower and sitting down for like lunch, that is my happiest part of my life is just that post run glow where I'm about to fill my body with calories and thank it basically for allowing me to get through what I just did. It's just, it's fantastic. It's just, it's like walking. I, I, I really feel sorry when people just flat out say, well, I'm not a runner. And I'm like, oh, God, you should, you should really give it a shot because, and they're like, well, you would say that you're the guy who ran 52 marathons. I was like, Yeah. But I was a competitive swimmer. I boxed golden gloves when I was in law school I've played rugby in college. I've done all the sports, so it's not like I popped out of the womb running and never stopped running. That's all I've ever done in my life. It's literally the last sport I've come to, and mm-hmm. I and it's my favorite. So, it it I've tried them all. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I haven't tried cricket, so I have no idea. Maybe cricket's better than running. It's <laughs> never too late.
0: <laughs> That's time. No, I think there's the simplicity in the experience, and you know, I think that. Even some part of the sport we've started to highlight that everyone doesn't have to look the same in running. you know we don't have to be you know five foot nine weigh hundred and twenty pounds to be a runner as Dane knows that, and there's other people and and we don't have to run at a certain speed it's about that experience of getting the body in motion you know and right. there' there you know <laughs> there's a Scientist, and neuroscientist in the United States, Andrew Heberman, he's got this podcast plus a Instagram channel. He just talks all about, you know, the neurotransmitters and what happens when we live, you know, and why really do we behave the way we behave? And, you know, what is dopamine's role uh, in, in our success? You know, it's a, it's there to, you know, sort of instigate and reward, and it's why we feel good, and there are other neurotransmitters that are going to just work better. And then the brain develops more, and then you know the the muscles develop better. And it's there we're made to. We're the only creature on the planet who improves over time. You know that's what we do. We're capable of doing that. And so um, you know, a cow is a cow. They've been the same forever, and a fish, and so on. You know, evolution sort of ended and so the part about running is it can sort of crystallize a lot of those at an individual level which is where power comes for any of us right it's one of the best things to prove is to yourself you know what you're capable of and so yeah that you found that is what we're always hoping that others find is their version of that it could be you know
2: tennis and golf or yeah running absolutely you know when people say to me oh, I don't ever want to run a marathon. That's why I'm not a runner. I'm like, there's a whole bunch of other distances you can run, you know, like I, 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 I obviously made a name for myself running marathons, but I I, I, I wish I lived in a, uh, a metric country because I love the 30K. I love that distance and I've only run it a few times, but it's mm. it's right on the cusp of kind of being a little bit long, but you could still run it fast, you know, so yeah, you don't have to run a marathon, run run anything, run, run down the block in that
0: it's a good thing to do. Yeah. So now, as you think about, uh, right, 20 years, some significant accomplishments, you know, we made a joke earlier on, you know, you got your own Wikipedia page, which is always sort of that, uh, that mark in life, oh, I made it because there's enough to talk about. But, you know, do you have a sense of, uh, you know, what you're chasing tomorrow is? What's next for Dane? I mean, because you, you know, you got lots of years left, but Where's your imagination taking you?
2: I mean, I have no shortage of, of not only races that I'd like to run, but also kind of like stunt runs that I'd like to do, you know, like, you know, run across the country or something like that. Um, that really just comes down to finding like the time and the, and the, the crew that can go with me and and, and that sort of thing. I, there's, I mean, I have more ideas than I have, than I have money. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> but I'm actually, you know, kind of pivoting in a little bit. Um, I'm currently working on a, a new app for, for runners that I think is going to be really uh, revolutionary. And so, you know, I've, I've was very fortunate to become become friends with both um, Bill Rogers and Dave McGilvery, the Boston marathon race director yeah. many years ago mm-hmm. and saw how, I don't know if they, they planned it this way, but I think they, you know, especially, elite runners like bill they knew they weren't going to be elite forever and so they like kind of pivoted into how they could keep running in their life for the rest of their life right. and i mean dave started his 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 sports management business when he was like i think in his 20s you know i mean his foresight was amazing mm-hmm. and that's what i'm really trying to do is try to make running part of my life forever in as many different ways as i can and, and fortunately you know, I've I've worked expos in so many different ways, from speaking to to I've done race directing. I've done I've done as much as I can. I've I've dabbled in it all, kind of like with the races that I do myself. So I, I'm hoping to just continue to evolve with the sport. Um, it's 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 definitely changed a great deal, it, it, even in the past 20 years that I've been running, and I, I've tried to to evolve with it, and trying to see how I can uh, stay relevant as well as trying to you know, continue to challenge myself. I mean, I, I mapped out a run that would circumvent the United States. So it would basically be a marathon a day for 365 straight days. And I would love to do that. I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. ever happen, but you know, there's, there's stuff like that that I've got planned out. And I mean, I would love to just, everywhere. I want to, you know, someone says, Hey, do you want to run in this place? I'm like, yes, I'm like, yes, I do. Like what, where is that? I don't care where that place is. Yes. I want to run there. And I just, I want to experience as much as I possibly can. That's really what I want to do.
0: Well, it's a beautiful way to end. And, uh, <clears throat> you're now in our community and you got, uh, Dave Proctor over here who can, uh, help you figure out how to run across the country. Cause you know, he's one of the best multi-day runners that, uh, that the world knows. And uh, too kind. Yeah, yeah. and we'll, uh, we're going to keep track of you, Dane. We're really happy, you know, just keep for track. our listeners, um, the way we got to know Dane was one of our listeners recommended. We always say at the end of the show, if you know someone you think should be on, um, you know, one of the people you coach felt strongly about you because, you know, uh, it's always hard to know everyone, but we're really thankful for getting to meet you and getting mm-hmm. to spend some time with you um and uh, just think of us as part of your crew someday and we'll be out there with you
2: well that's i mean you know i've heard people say that that you know ultra runners are the most welcoming people and i i, I quibble with that i just i just say runners i i really don't mm-hmm. i've never met a community of people and i've I, and i've been in most of them who are so usually uh welcoming to to us because we've all We've all been there. We've all failed. We've all run. We've all had wonderful days. We've all had things go right, go wrong. And, you know, and until you until you own the world record, every single person uh, is is, is I, I just think it's amazing that the sport, what it does and uh, mm-hmm. what it brings together with people. And so it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of of your community as well. And, and I
1: appreciate you know having me on. Yeah. This has been wonderful, Dane. Thanks a lot. Yes. absolutely. see you soon.
0: Take care. Thank you. Take care. Hey, Dave, Dane is a really cool dude. I mean, talk about someone who gets the most that they can out of 168 hours in a week. I wrote one book and I thought that was hard, but five books and then 175 marathons, a lawyer and a coach – I mean, he's really getting the most that he can get out of life and and giving back as well. Love that guy. I mean, a true Chasing Tomorrow person. And well, there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout-out to our sponsor, Performance Tea. You can find them on www.performancetea.com. And they've given us the discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 at checkout. And we would greatly appreciate it if you could follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. And as always, a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks.